Good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. Twelve days ago, um, I sat in our lobby with a couple pastors from a church just up the street from us. It's actually about a block north of 32nd Street, to be exact. It's called The Shelter. And until this moment, I had seen the sign for The Shelter. Um, it's right there behind Hubbard uh, Swim School, if you know where that is, right off 32nd Street. But, I, you know, I only knew about it really from an acquaintance that I have. I didn't know a whole lot about it. And as I met with these two pastors from the shelter, the lead pastor, Justin, explained to me why they were asking to meet with me and what was happening at their church. Now, I'd gotten a message a couple weeks prior that a gentleman named Jonathan wanted to meet with me. And I was like, I don't know this guy, but yeah, sure, I'll, I'll meet with them. Thought maybe it was somebody, somebody been new to our church or something like that. And, and then when I was sitting there, I realized, oh, this guy is a pastor uh, of this church with his lead pastor as well. And so Justin started to tell me that he started this church back in 2011 with this vision to help people who were far from God come into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And he told me how in their 12 years of existence, they had seen God do some amazing thing, that they'd seen dozens and dozens of people take a step of faith people who had been, you know, uh, caught in the cycle of addiction, people who had no experience with Jesus or the church prior, people who by the Holy Spirit's leading were raised to new life in Christ, something we're going to celebrate this morning. And it was evident to me from the very start that Justin's heart for ministry and for this church that he had helped start was genuine. He was humble. He was passionate. He was willing to go to whatever lengths it took to fulfill the commandment of Jesus to go and baptize and teach and make disciples. In fact, as he talked about his church, the shelter, who, you know, who they were, what they did, uh, what, what, what they prioritized, I, I kept kind of thinking, like, are you talking about Genesis? It was so shocking, some of the similarities between them and us. And after Justin told me about the story of the shelter, he then told me the real reason he was meeting with me. After 12 years of leading the shelter, Justin received a new vision, a new call to ministry, a vision and call that would lead him away from this church that he started for good. It was something that he had received and made a decision about toward the end of the year last year but for a number of reasons, was now just letting his people and the church know of his departure. In addition, because of the nature of their ministry uh, and his realization that there really wasn't a, an heir apparent among them to overtake the leadership role at the church, he and their leadership team had decided that with him moving on, the best thing to do was for them to shut the doors at the shelter. And so with all of this happening, the associate pastor, Jonathan, who I had heard from a couple weeks earlier, was tasked with searching the area for a potential landing spot for the majority of people at the shelter. Though the shelter would close their doors, it was Justin and Jonathan's hope that they would be able to find a church with a similar vision and mission as theirs that they could recommend their people begin attending. And after weeks and months of looking for that church, they landed on us. They explained to me how similar we are to them. 
how much they loved our vision and our mission for reaching people, for reaching our community. They also were astonished at how close our proximity was. They weren't really looking for a church necessarily that was a block away, but they were shocked to find out, like, we're neighbors. It's that close. And they asked me, would you be open to allowing our people to make Genesis their new church home? So this conversation took about 30 minutes at this point, during which I'm pretty sure my mouth was gaping wide open, and I think I only blinked three times. In all of my years of ministry, 21 uh, to be exact, I had never heard of anything like this before. Now, I have been a part of, and I have heard of church mergers. I have heard of churches being taken over by other churches, maybe because they're struggling and they're dying. But the shelter is not struggling. They're not dying. They're very much alive. They're not looking for a church merger or someone to take them over. And so I had never heard of a pastor at a very healthy church coming to another pastor and asking if their people could come under the vision and mission and join arms with us. This was news to me. And so as I sat there dumbfounded, I, I couldn't help but think back to a verse that I had preached just two days earlier. So before I continue in this story with Jonathan and Justin and the shelter, I actually want us to go back to Acts chapter 11 in the first 17 verses. And I want to look at some specific words of Peter that I know apply directly to what we are going through right now as a church. And I know we're never going to get through the book of Acts. In fact, today I'm actually going backwards. I get it. But that's okay. This is really, really important. And I do not think that it is a coincidence or just some one-off experience that this verse was something that we read and listened to two days prior to this conversation with Jonathan and Justin. So if you have your phone, you can go ahead and open that to the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, that's a free app if you don't know that, and we can, uh, you can download it for free. We have an events page on there. Go and find that. You'll be able to follow along with everything I'm going to cover today. And I just want to give us a little bit of context again for what is happening up to and during Acts chapter 11 as we jumped into it last week. Prior to Acts chapter 11, Peter is in the area of Caesarea and Joppa on the Mediterranean Sea, two major port cities in uh, modern-day Palestine. And they are there because they've been summoned by a guy named Cornelius. He is a Roman centurion in the Italian regiment. He's an important guy. He oversees a hundred other soldiers. And he has a lot of prestige within the area of Caesarea. And he calls because an angel tells him to go find Peter. He calls Peter to his home and he says, apparently you have something to tell me and I would like to hear what you have to tell me. Now prior to this, Peter has this vision, if you remember. And the vision is the sheet comes down. He sees all these animals, animals that some of which they were allowed as Jewish believers, or excuse me, first century Jews in the first century were allowed to eat. And some of those animals who they were disallowed to eat, they were, they were asked to stay away from in the Old Testament law. And yet God in this vision says, look, what I have called clean, I want you to call it clean too. 
Those dietary laws, that is a thing of the past. I want you to see this as an open opportunity for you to dine with people who don't eat like you do. And so he goes to Caesarea, he meets with Cornelius, they have this meal, they have this conversation, Cornelius and his friends are filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, Peter baptizes them, they become some of the first followers, some of the first Romans that we know of to receive and be filled with the Holy Spirit. At the end, or excuse me, at the end of that, Peter begins his way back to Jerusalem. And word gets back to Jerusalem and Judea, the surrounding areas, that this has happened. And some of the Jewish believers in Jerusalem are a little shocked at what has happened with Peter. They can't quite believe it. This is what it says in Acts chapter 11, verse 2. It says, but when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized them. You entered the home of Gentiles and even ate with them, they said. Now again, this sort of behavior was against Jewish tradition. Technically, there weren't any particular laws that prohibited someone of Jewish descent to eat with someone who was non-Jewish, but there was a, a line of thinking, of reasoning, that led people to think the best thing for us is to not dine with Gentiles. But besides, who eats foods we can't eat? Gentiles. So if we want to stay away and live by the law that God's given us in Leviticus, then we'll stay away from Gentiles. We'll make sure that we don't dine with them so that there's no temptation that we would break the law. And so it was common tradition among those in the first century that we just don't eat with Gentiles. We don't go into their homes and have a meal. It's too tempting. A good Jewish person should not eat in the home of any Gentile. And yet this is what Peter does. And so they get wind of this and they're like, Peter, what, the, what in the world, man? What's going on? Like facing their criticism, Peter is like, okay, I get it. I get it. It's a little odd, but let me tell you a story. We talked about that last week. That the story that God is writing in our lives is often the most powerful asset we have when we face questions and criticism and controversy. And so he launches into this story he tells them about this vision in his time with Cornelius. He tells them about he and his friends who were with them saw these Gentile men and women filled with the Holy Spirit and become followers of Jesus. I saw it with my own two eyes, Peter says. And then, understanding his Jewish believing friends and concerns and criticisms, Peter finishes his story by saying these words in Acts chapter 11, verse 17. Do not miss these words. He says this, and since God gave these Gentiles the same gift he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in God's way? Who was I? Look, I get it. It's crazy. And it doesn't all make sense. But, but when I'm watching this happen, right before my, who am I to stand in God's way? Who am I to stand in the way of what God wants to do next? Well, the text tells us that immediately these Jewish believers are convinced. Their minds are changed about all of it. They admit that God surely is doing something new. They worship and they praise Him. As I sat in our lobby with my friends Justin and Jonathan from the shelter, those words just came roaring back to mind for me. As I heard them propose the idea of inviting their people to come and to be a part of what we're doing at Genesis, I could not escape the words I had read 48 hours earlier in Acts chapter 11. Who was I 
to stand in God's way. After a lot more conversation, I told Justin and Jonathan I'd have to meet with our leadership team, which, wouldn't you know it, was that night. Uh, we meet once a month, and it happened to be that night. And, be, and I just wanted to make sure that we're all on the same page, and I'd get back to him the next day. And it was no surprise, our leadership team, we, we felt honored and privileged. And we said, absolutely, 100%. There is no way that we're going to stand in God's way of what he wants to do with this. And that night, our leadership team confirmed my thoughts on this all along with our staff, and the ball got rolling. This is 12 days ago. Okay, I want you to keep that in mind. 12 days. If you're like, why haven't I heard about this sooner? It was 12 days ago. Okay, 12 days. That's it. In fact, on Thursday night of this week, a number of our leadership team members and our staff and a number of their leaders and staff came together in our lobby and we ate some food and we, we, got, we talked, got to know each other. I talked a little bit about who we are as a church, the vision we have for this church. They got to voice some of their questions and their concerns. They got to be vulnerable. These people, listen, they are just hearing about this. That this thing that they have given their blood, sweat, and tears to for years is about to end. And so there's a lot of emotions and grief and pain and hurting around it, but yet we're given this honor and this privilege to provide hope in the midst of all of that as well. But there's a place for that. Now, um, let me just stop there again. Uh, because, you know, as Kristen and I walked away, from that meeting, and it took about three hours for all that to happen. I just, you know, I kept thinking to myself, I can't, I don't understand this. I don't know what's going on. I've never heard of this, but who am I to stand in God's way? And, and I, you know, a lot has happened since last Tuesday. But again, we've only known about this since last Tuesday. It's been 12 days. And I was informed at that meeting that their last Sunday as a church isn't going to be like May 14th. It's February 5th, which is in two weeks. Which means that on February 12th, which is in three weeks, our church will potentially double in size overnight. Now, yeah, clap. Clap all you want. Well, we, you're going to be asked to do some stuff around here. Okay. Thank you. You're going to be asked. We're getting there. They're very similar size to us. They have the same number of adults about on a Sunday morning, same number of kids, same number of teenagers. But again, this is not a normal occurrence for a church. Churches don't just double in size from one week to the next. Change and growth, which we've been experiencing slowly, gradually over the last few months, that's normal. And sometimes it picks up speed and it becomes more rapid, and sometimes it slows down, but it never, ever happens over the course of seven days. Churches don't just double in size overnight. I mean, at least none that I've been a part of, okay? And so while I think we can all agree in here that who are we to stand in God's way, right? We are agree there. We have a lot to figure out. There's a lot coming our way in the next few weeks to make sure that we are prepared for what's to come. This is what keeps me up at night right now. Okay? I'm just going to be honest. 
I slept really good last night, but that's only because I didn't sleep really good for four nights in a row. Now, to be fair, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what everyone from the shelter is going to do, going to just, you know, do, or I don't know what, if everyone from there is just going to make their way on February 12th to our church. I doubt that that's going to be the case. But I do think there is going to be a large group of people who have just lost this thing that they've given their lives to, walk through the front doors of our church looking for a glimmer of hope for their future. This room is going to be filled with more chairs. There's going to be more people. You're going to have to get here earlier if you want to have a seat. You know who you are. I stand in the back. I watch you come in. I'm telling you, there are not going to be seats. They're not, okay? So you're going to want to set your alarm. I know 10 a.m. is early. Sorry, I'm, I'm giving you. I'm just kidding, kind of. Uh, but here's the deal. You're going to have to get here early. Those cinnamon rolls... They are going to be in high demand. Like, if you want cinnamon rolls, you better get here early, I'm telling you. But here's the other thing. Our kids' ministry is going to need more volunteers to accommodate the young families that will be arriving. And we cannot just sit around and go, well, who's going to, who's going to do it? We have to look deep inside ourselves right now and go, am I going to stand in the way of this actually happening? Our parking lot is going to be filled up. You're going to have to probably park somewhere other than right in front of the church. And we're going to want to save those spots for our guests who are grieving, who are hurting, who are looking for hope. You know, February 12th, get your steps in early. I don't know, park down by the old tattoo, park at, you know, Vasa, whatever it takes to make room for this. Wednesday night, man, they got 20 to 25 teenagers. We have 20 to 25 teenagers. There going to be 50 kids here. Okay, so feed the teens group. I don't know. You better start cooking now. I don't know. And we're gonna need more help. I mean, this is exciting. We, man, we have we have got some work to do, and we got three weeks to do it. Three weeks. Now, many of you of the people who will be walking through the doors for the first time, as I mentioned, are gonna be they're gonna be grieving. This is all gonna be new to them. They've basically only been told by their pastor, listen, we believe in this church. You need to go check it out. And so because of that, we want to be prepared, no matter what comes our way. And one of the things that I want to invite you to do over the coming weeks is to do whatever you can to put yourself in their shoes right now. To imagine yourself having to say goodbye to Genesis Church. And to go somewhere else where maybe I say, this is a great place for you to land and you're going to try it. But what are the things that you would hope for from that community as you walk into that room and into that building? Because that's who we want to be as a church. And so because of that, here, here's what I'm asking all of us. Whether you've been here two weeks or whether you've been here you know, since 20 years, since the very beginning, I am asking all of us, to do something that we need to do more than anything else above and beyond what we've ever done before, and that is to be the very best hosts we have ever been in our lives. God keeps planting this thought in my heart and my mind. He is saying, I am bringing people to you as guests in your house. And I want you to be hospitable and loving and caring and welcoming in a way that maybe you've never been before. 
So as things develop, here's what I want you to do. This is what I've been thinking about all week. I want you to think about Genesis like you would your very own home. In, your, in our home, when people come over for the first time, we make every effort to make sure that we are prepared for them. Right? You, you probably do something similar. Our goal is for them to be able to feel comfortable as soon as possible when they arrive. Right? So we go through the work of cleaning and tidying up the house. We want them to feel comfortable to sit on our couches and eat at our table and use our bathroom without there being any barriers to them doing it. We take time to prepare each room based on what is happening. If our guests are coming over for dinner, then we prepare our dining room. If our guests are coming over to watch football and hang out, then we make sure that our living room is tidy and ready for them to be there. If they are coming to spend the night, well, then we make sure that the, the, best, the bedroom is ready for them to sleep the night, that the sheets are clean, that they have everything that they need. And we also make sure that they do genuinely have everything they need when they come there, right? We make a meal or we provide food in case they get hungry. We have drinks on hands in case they get thirsty. We have, at our home, we even have this rubber bag filled with toys from when our kids were young. So if they bring young kids over, we can bust open the rubber bag and their kids go nuts. And they love coming to our house, hopefully. They feel comfortable. You know, when our guests arrive, we don't just prop the door open and walk away. Right? That's not how we greet a guest. We open the door and we say, welcome. Come on in. How have you been? How's it going? We have that, inter that intimate conversation with them right away. We greet them. We welcome them into our home. We ask them, how are you doing? And if they're, it's their first time, we might show them around the house. Hey, there's the bathroom. And if you want to go outside, there's the backyard. We let them know where they can sit and relax, where their kids can go. You get the idea, right? This is our house. I mean, this is God's house that he has entrusted to us as his residence. And when guests come, we are called upon to be great hosts, to be people who welcome them at the door, who walk with them, who show them around, who are prepared for them as they arrive. So when new people come to our church, whether we're wearing a lanyard that says we're on the host team or not, we are hosts, every single one of us. We work to be prepared for their arrival and do everything in our power to ensure that they will feel as comfortable as possible as they arrive. We clean the house. We prepare the snacks and drinks. We spend hours preparing our time for worship. We organize and staff our kids' rooms so the children coming will have a great experience. We welcome them. We take the time to smile and welcome people into our home and let them know, even without word, this is your home too. So listen, while it is my hope that this sort of vision for being hosts in our church is something that will become the fabric of Genesis, and in many ways it has, don't get me wrong, I believe at no time since I've been here must we be ready to host on a Sunday than in the coming month. This is not a time to just sit on the you know, sideline and watch everybody else, to just hope that someone else will step in and do it. This is an opportunity for all of us to say, who am I to stand in God's way? So there's a few things I'm asking of you. There's a few things I'm asking of you today in the coming weeks to prepare for the arrival of many of those from the shelter. And the first thing is this. We need more volunteers in our kids' ministry. It's as simple as that. We've needed it for a while, but if 20 more kids show up on a Sunday, just like that, 
we could be in trouble. And the last thing that we want to do is turn away a family from allowing their kid to experience the joy of being in our kids' ministry on a Sunday. Right? We, we have, you know, we have an, an influx of, of kids that show up here. We want them to have an amazing experience. So when they leave, they're like, Mom, Dad, when are we going back to Genesis? I want another cinnamon roll, and I want to see Jessica, and I want to see Diane, and I want to see Carmel, and I want to see, you know, Heather. I want to see those who are, I want to go back. And so, in fact, we're only asking at a very minimum right now, if you're like, man, I think I could do that, but I'm not real sure. Maybe I've never done it before. Maybe I've done it in the past, whatever it is. I'm asking only for you to sign up right now to just serve once a month. I'll give one Sunday out of the month to take, you know, take some time with those kids. I, look, if I could hang out with the kids on a Sunday, which I can't, but I have to do this. I get to do this. Sorry. <laughs> I would! Man, kids are way cooler than we are. I'm sorry. It just is. They're way cooler than I am, and I would want to hang out with them, and I hope that you'll see this is an opportunity for you to lean into one of our mission priorities, to invest in the next generation, to tell kids about Jesus, to give up one Sunday a month. Look, we record every message. You can watch Jack and Carmel sing online. Like, you can do it. I promise, okay? We will make sure that you have that. Will you take a step of faith if you haven't yet and say, listen, I'll help out on a, on a once-a-month basis in Genesis Kids, especially in the coming month. This is my greatest concern. Look, we can put out more chairs, and I can rally people to hang out in the cafe and and, you know, welcome people, maybe even help in the parking lot. But if we don't have enough people to take care of our kids, this is a problem for us. Not only because it puts us in a bind, but also because what does that say about us as a church? Do we really believe that we want to be people that invest in the next generation? This is an opportunity for us to put our money where our mouth is, to step up and make that happen. Okay, so you can do that a few ways. You can grab a Connect card. They're in the back seat in front of you. You can text us at Text Genesis. You can talk to me. You can talk to Heather. You can talk to Jessica. You can talk to anybody in this church, and we will find a way to get you connected to our Genesis Kids ministry. And I want to say this as well. If you're like, look, this is not really my gifting. I don't really have a passion for it, but I want to help out. Great. Just do it for a short time, maybe three, four, five months. I'll do it for the next three months and just see how it goes and help us get through this transition. That will Will help us tremendously. Okay, second thing I need from you is we need everyone to see themselves as a Sunday host. You are on the host team now. Okay? Technically, you always have been, but I'm just saying it out loud so we're all on the same page about it. Now, we do have particular people who are on our host team, and they are amazing, but I'm asking all of us to see this as our home and to start seeing ourselves as a host to those who come. And so specifically, I'm asking you to make a concerted effort to greet people who are new. Listen, I get it. You love your people that are in your group or your friends. You can see them whenever you want, okay? I know this is coming off as a little harsh. Deal with it. You can see them whenever you want. You can text them afterwards and say, let's go to lunch. That new person walking in for the first time, do we have 30 seconds to make an impression on them? 
That's the statistic. You have 30 seconds to make them feel like this is a place they could feel at home. And so if we're talking to our friends and ignoring the new people walking by, what does that say to them? Do you even care that I'm here? No, 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 no. We don't want to be that kind of church. And we certainly don't want to be that to our friends at the shelter. So as we get together, just be in a, have an eye open. Hey, I don't know that person. Go say hi to them. Now I know a lot of you are like, I'm not good at small talk. Too bad. Like, I don't, sorry, get good at it, you know? Go on YouTube. They'll teach you. I know there are people that will teach you how to chit-chat with people. Just, you don't have to be a magician at this. Just ask a person their name and then remember it. Try that, okay? Just do it. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. I promise you, it's not that hard, all right? Right? We have an opportunity here to be great hosts to people who are coming for the first time in droves. And it's going to take all of us to do it. Now, I say all of this with one caveat, this idea of being a Sunday host. Don't be weird about this, okay? The church gets weird about this kind of stuff sometimes. They just do. Like, we are not, we're hosts. We are not trying to take them hostage, okay? That's not the goal here. The goal is just to simply make them feel welcome. So if there's somebody talking to somebody, I know we're doing a little training right now, okay? There's somebody talking to somebody, don't be like, hey, everybody, let's go say hi to the new guy, right? And gather, you know, like that's over, like have a little common sense about this. We have this saying in the host team that goes like this, and it's really simple. No one overlooked, no one overwhelmed, everyone welcome, okay? No one, don't overlook somebody. If they look lost, go say hi to them, but don't overwhelm them. If there's four people talking to them, maybe that's not the time to go in and ask them how they're doing, okay? Let's just be smart about it. Let's not be weird about it. Let's just make sure that people are welcome as they come in. This is your mission in the coming weeks, to be a great host. And here's the last thing I need from you. We need everyone to be here February 5th. I mean everyone. Following the service on February 5th, we're going to have a short meeting. We're going to discuss what's going on. We're going to discuss what's happening on February 12th. Look, again, we've known this for 12 days, and so things are kind of in a fluid situation right now. We keep finding out more information about it, and I'm confident that by February 5th, we'll have an even better idea of where things are by then. We'll have an idea of how well our kids' ministry will be staffed. We'll have an idea of kind of where we are, how many people we think might be showing up on a Sunday. And so I'm asking you to please mark your calendar February 5th. That's the Pro Bowl. You don't want to watch that garbage anyway. So be here February 5th, please. In your power, if you wake up in the morning, you're like, I don't really want to go to church. I want you to remember me right now saying, Ryan wants me there. It's super, super, super important. And lastly, 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 please pray. I know this is like drinking from a fire hose. That's why I feel like I've been doing it for a week and a half, okay? Just information. And I know I am really passionate about this right now. But the only reason I am really passionate about this is because I can't get over the fact that God is doing something in this. And I do not want to be the one that stands in the way of whatever God wants to do. I don't want us. I know you don't either. And so I am calling you to a higher expectation in the coming weeks in how we do church. 
how we function as a community, how we love people who are far from God, how we love people who are hurting. I am calling all of us, myself included, to a higher standard in what we do. So pray. Pray for the shelter. The next couple of weeks are going to be brutal for them. Pray for clear direction in the coming weeks. Pray for our preparations to welcome them. Pray for your ability to, to care for and love them as they grieve. Pray that God would do something miraculous through all of this. Pray. Allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in you as you prepare your hearts for what God wants to do through this combination of churches in this community. Next week, my wife is preaching. I know, I know. It's always what happens. So, yeah, finally. Uh, um, we had scheduled that out a couple of months ago, and um, I just said, hey, I'm going to be gone this week, and so I was like, would you preach? And then Justin and Jonathan said, you know what would be really great is if you came on the 29th and preached at our church. Funny how that worked out. Uh, so I will actually be at the shelter next Sunday with some of our leaders to tell them about who we are some more, explain what we're doing. Please don't come. No, I'm serious. Please don't come, okay? Uh, we need you here, for one, because my wife's prepared an amazing message. And again, I don't want to overwhelm these people. I just want them to know that we love them and they're welcome here. And they can make their way here as they feel comfortable. There's going to be a few of us there, though, in the leadership and staff team to just kind of let them know that we're here for them. Uh, but that's going to be going on. And again, February 5th, we have a meeting. And the 12th, we're praying that God does something amazing through this connection. So let's pray. Can we pray together? I know this wasn't like I was like, I don't know what, if I'm preaching today. I feel like it's a combination of preaching and training, and yelling, and just being passionate. But whatever it is, man, you know what? Let's just be a community that doesn't stand in the way of God as humans and all of this, okay? So let's pray and then we're going to dunk some people. God, thank you for the amazing gift of your community, the local church. Uh, it is overwhelming at times for me to think about what is happening here, the, the timing of all of this, kind of where we are as a community, where they are as a community, the connection we have as pastors, Justin, Jonathan, myself, Joe, our staff, the vision that we have for ministry in this community. It, it's, it's overwhelming. And it's clear and evident that your hand is all over this. But I also know that you are calling us to something new. You are calling us to step out of what is comfortable. You are calling us to step out and to be the people that you've called us to be, to, to be a safe haven for those who are hurting, for those who are lost, for those who are in need of hope and desperate to hear about the love of Jesus. And so in the coming weeks, God, I just prepare that you would do a new work in us individually and corporately as a church. It is a privilege, it is an honor to even be considered to be part of what you're doing in the middle of all of this. So may we stay humble in that, but may we stay confident in knowing that you are working. God, don't allow us to get in the way of what you want us to do, but instead just follow in step with where you're leading. God, I pray that there are people in this room who would hear the call in their life right now to say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a month 
every, you know, once Sunday a month to go hang out with our kids. To see that as an opportunity to hang out with kids in this church, hang out with kids that are coming for the first time, to express the love of Jesus to them. God, that you would express the call on the life of every person in this room, that, that we are hosts in your home. And that we are called to love and welcome and greet and bring people in that they too would know that they have a home right here in the family of God. Thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you most of all for Jesus, the one who creates all of this, who holds all of this together, who before the beginning of time knew that this moment in our church would happen. And that even though this is all news to us, this is not news to you. You knew all about this. You know what's gonna happen next. You're just inviting us into the process. And so I, I pray, God, that we would be willing to take those steps of faith. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.